Jesus is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. This is most certainly true. Jesus is alive and death is dead. His tomb is empty and our hearts are full. His promises are fulfilled. The victory has been won. Easter brings fullness and life and joy and meaning and hope into our lives and brings them in fullest measure. Our songs of Alleluia will never end. Join us to worship our risen Lord with this Easter sermon recently delivered at Grace. The second reading from the New Testament book of 1 Peter, chapters 4 and 5. These words will serve as the basis for today's sermon. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed, for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, Do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear his name. For it is time for judgment to begin with God's household. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Be alert. And of sober mind, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong firm and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. I have a fun topic to discuss with you today. Suffering. I'm sorry. I know it's not really all that fun of a topic to talk about, but it's an important one. You see, suffering happens. And suffering comes in all sorts of different forms. It can come in the form of that unexpected bad news. A virus. A pandemic. Perhaps a guilty conscience or a broken lie. Maybe a stubbed toe or other, other, another bodily injury. Maybe it comes from the loss of someone or something, a broken vow. Suffering is, you please fill in the blank. Suffering can hit you hard and fast like a freight train, or it can be a slow, steady trickle. Whether you have experienced, if you haven't experienced an episode or a season of suffering in your life, Thank God for that gift of his mercy. And then just wait. Because the reality is, is that suffering is a part of this world. 
It's a consequence of a sinful and broken world that affects every single person who lives in this world. And quite often, it's a result of your own bad choices and can be a consequence of your sin. Suffering happens. This first letter that the disciple Peter wrote was written to a group of Christians that were scattered throughout the land of Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey today. These Christians were undergoing persecution because of their faith in Jesus. And so Peter addressed a very important, uh, important topic with them. Christians will suffer in this life. Now I know, we would love to think that those who believe in Jesus Christ would have a nice, easy, and comfortable life in this world. No worries, no problems, no suffering. I mean, believers are entrusting their lives to the Almighty God after all, right? Why should there be any problems? Why should there be suffering? But I'm not here this morning to talk about why suffering happens in our lives because quite honestly, so often, we're going to be left less than satisfied with what we find. God doesn't always allow us to look behind the curtain and see his hidden will and purposes. But God is honest with you. You will suffer in this life. So maybe the better question for us to wrestle with today is not why is there suffering in this world and in our lives, but rather, how do you handle suffering? So how do you handle suffering? Do you wallow in a bowl, or let's be honest, a a tub of ice cream? Do you vent to whoever will listen to you? Do you internalize all of your feelings and shut yourself off from the world and others around you? Do you drink just to forget? Or do you lash out in angry frustration against those whom you ought to be protecting? The coronavirus with its fears, along with the quarantine and all of its uncertainties, have driven a surge in divorce rate, a rise in domestic abuse, and an increase in suicide. And that's just a few of the ways that people in the world around us are dealing with this unique set of suffering in our lives right now. Suffering brings about anxieties and fears and stresses and frustrations and doubts and depression. How do you handle suffering? Far better than trying to figure it out on our own, which, let's be honest, happens a lot in our lives. Far better is it for us to listen to the words of encouragement that the disciple Peter sets before us today. Peter was a man who knew suffering. From a guilty conscience, to losing one that he dearly loved, to an uncertain future and imprisonment and even bodily harm, Peter knew suffering. But he also knew his Lord. And that's how he begins his encouragement for you and for me today. His first words of encouragement are these. Humble yourselves under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. 
Suffering in its very nature is a very humbling thing. It often knocks a person down to their knees. But at the same time, suffering can cause a a person to lash out in anger at God, accusing him of being unloving and uncaring. It might make a person arrogantly and pridefully defy God. God, I don't need you. It seems like you have forgotten about me in this life and what's going on. I will take care of it myself. I don't I don't love you. I don't follow you anymore. But God gently calls out to you today to humble yourself underneath his mighty hands, underneath the protecting and loving hands of God. He is calling on you to put yourself aside and instead to trust in him. And that is often the purpose of suffering in your lives, to bring you to know and trust in God more and more. You can rely with certainty upon God's mighty strength that he will lift you up in mercy in due time and he will give you the strength to endure any suffering in your life. This is a promise not just here in 1 Peter, but is scattered throughout Scripture. And we find it in the Old Testament book of of Job in which God promises that the lowly he sets on high and those who mourn are lifted to safety. Whether that lifting takes place in this life or not, because of a risen and ascended Lord Jesus, all believers in Christ will be lifted up and exalted to the heavenly glories that await us. For as God says in Romans chapter 8, our present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. But not only does God encourage you to humble yourself to him, but to humble ourselves to one another. There have been a lot of different reactions and thoughts to the seriousness of this virus and and how and when we should reopen our our lives and businesses and homes and, and whether or not that should happen or what we should do or where or not. And I'm not here to offer up an opinion because I don't understand this all either. But I have heard and seen in so many different formats thoughts and comments from Christian people that are arrogant and unloving coming from all different directions at this problem. Let these words of encouragement be a beautiful reminder to you to humble yourself, not just now and in this situation, but always to others, putting the needs of others first and showing the love of a gracious God. May God lift us up. The next encouragement that Peter shares with us is one that touches the hearts of many people. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Anxiety is very common when it comes to suffering and often is triggered by uncertainties and a lack of control. And sometimes that anxiety in a person can be disabling And especially in this current situation, the level of anxiety has risen quite a bit for a lot of people, and maybe that's true in your own life. You look around at the world, and you are just so anxious. You are anxious to to return back to public life because you fear for your health and safety. 
You worry about your financial future, wondering how you're going to pay the bills or whether you're going to have a job to go back to and maybe when you'd be able to go back to your job. And perhaps the future looks uncertain for you. But the reality is, is that a pandemic is not the only thing that brings us anxieties because when life comes back to some sense of normalcy, you're still going to find things to be anxious about. So what do we do? Well, I'm not going to stand here today and just flippantly tell you, just don't worry about it. I don't need you to shoot daggers at me through your screens. I I get it, that doesn't help. But what does help is listening to the gracious invitation of our Lord. Take all of your cares and your worries and your concerns and throw them on God. And, and since you're all kind of at your own, the privacy of your own homes, just maybe literally do this. Just take all of your anxiety and your stresses and your cares, all your worries, and just throw them off of you. Throw them across the room and out the window. Throw them on Jesus like you're throwing them out into the middle of the sea, never to see them ever again. Because God wants you to throw them at him and to bear those burdens for you because that's who God is. God cares for you and loves you. And wants to bear all those burdens for you and give you comfort. In those moments when you feel like you have no control, go to the one who has control over all things, our Lord God. Come to him in prayer as the Apostle Paul encourages us in the book of Philippians chapter 4. Do not be anxious about anything. But here's a better way. In every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Jesus is risen and ascended so that he can intercede for us, that we can come to our Lord God, not just in a relationship of faith with him, but also to come to him in prayer and bring all of our worries and stresses and anxieties to him. And you have a God who has a rock-solid commitment to you. And you can see that by just looking at the cross and the empty tomb. Because there God sent his son Jesus to be your Savior. So that by his life, death, and resurrection, Jesus could conquer death and rescue you from sin to give you eternal life with God. Peter continues his encouragement by next reminding you to be alert and of sober mind. Because the devil is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour, to devour you. What a vivid picture, isn't it? I tell you what, if I was dropped into the lion exhibit at the county zoo, there is no way that I would not be on top guard and alert. You would not find me taking a nap in the the corner of the enclosure. In fact, my eye would be glued to that lion, keeping a far distance from him. And, And I tell you, if that lion even so much as twitches, I am running away. God says, do the same thing when it comes to Satan. See, Satan is is going around and, and wants to sneak up on you and devour you. He wants to destroy your life for eternity by pulling you away from God. And he will be sneaky and cunning about it in all of his temptations. And so God encourages you to be alert. But so often we find ourselves falling into a spiritual sleep or having a false sense of security. 
we sometimes think that, well, I can withstand Satan's temptations all on my own. I'm strong enough to do it. I don't need God's help. Or other times we are just clouded by all the things that are taking place around us, all of the challenges, all the suffering, and we lose sight of Satan and his temptations. We lose sight of our Lord. And it's in those moments of suffering that Satan really wants to sneak in and get you and bring you down when you are at your weakness and your weakest. Resist Satan. By standing your ground against this roaring lion, by standing firm in your faith in Christ. Martin Luther, an early church leader in the Christian church, wrote in his famous hymn, A Mighty Fortress, One little word shall fell him. What is that one little word that can send Satan reeling? Jesus. Jesus. That gospel truth that Jesus defeated Satan and rendered him powerless is the thing that we can stand on and defeats Satan every time. And so through faith in Jesus, you are made alive and awake and alert that you can watch out for Satan's attacks. You may not fall from your faith and trust in Jesus. One of those ways that Satan likes to tempt you and is also another basis often for our anxieties is that often we are tempted to think that during suffering, we're all alone. Nobody else knows what I am going through and no one can help. And Satan wants nothing more than for you to believe that lie and give up your hope and trust in God. But Peter reminds us that you are not alone. Not only is the Lord God Almighty with you, but Peter reminds you that the family of believers throughout the world are going through the same kind of suffering. And that's part of the beauty of being a part of the body of Christ, the, the family of believers. People throughout the world, throughout God's church, are going through the same kind of suffering that you are. In fact, people in our own family of believers here at Grace are experiencing the same troubles and sufferings that you go through. And so we can support and encourage one another and lift one another up in God's word. In fact, if you are feeling like you are drowning in anxieties and suffering right now, reach out. Know that you are not alone. Reach out to myself or another Christian friend that we may support you and love you in Christ. And know that God is with you always. Now I know that these are all wonderful pieces of encouragement that you would love to put into practice in your life. And it sounds really good, but it's really challenging, isn't it? And it's especially challenging when you are going through the moments of suffering and you are in the thick and in the midst of those challenges and troubles of life. So listen to this last piece of encouragement that Peter gives to you. It's the most important because it not only encourages you, but it gives you the reason. The God of all grace, who called you to eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered for a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. God calls you 
through the gospel of Jesus Christ, to know him as Lord and Savior, and through that faith to assure you that there is something far better than this present suffering and this world. And that's the glories of eternal life that are yours because our Savior lives. And God reminds us that the suffering that you are going through in this life is temporary. It will come to an end. And God himself, the almighty, powerful, creator, sustainer God, will pick you up and will give you strength. And it's not on you to be strong in every moment of weakness and every moment of suffering, but instead to lean on the one who is strong for you. To lean on your Lord Jesus Christ. and God will restore you in Christ Jesus. Suffering will happen in your life if it's not already taking place right now. But when suffering comes, be encouraged. The God of grace is with you always. To him be the power now and forever. Thanks for listening. To learn more about God's grace or to support the work that we do to proclaim the love of Jesus in Milwaukee and around the world, visit www.gracedowntown.org. This grace is for you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace. Peace.